You are listening to Bitcoin, Blockchain and the Technologies of Our Future with Naomi Brockwell. How private is your phone? Text messages. We had access to that. It makes you feel violated. In today's digital age, our whole lives are in our phones. Our communications, our photos, our social networks. We're addicted to feeding these things information and we take them with us everywhere we go. But is that safe? The phone's camera, the microphone, text messages, and anything else done on the phone or close to it are susceptible to monitoring. Have you ever felt like the ads that you see on your social media feed are specifically targeted to you? It's almost like the app is listening to your conversation. The fact is, we have no way of knowing what's going on inside these opaque boxes. This is a black rectangle. Um, How do I know that there isn't an implant on the inside of this, which completely uh, upends any assumption we had about security? from day one. Hardware security expert Bunny Huang says your phone screen may say one thing, but the reality of what's going on inside the device might be very different. You can't really trust the UI. Like software can put anything on the screen. Snowden agrees. There are potential ways that you can hack a phone where it appears to be off, but it's not actually off. It's just pretending to be off. And so your phone is sitting there doing nothing, you think. Uh, But it's constantly shouting and saying, I'm here. So how do you tell if your phone is doing things that it shouldn't be? Well, that's why we have things like antivirus software and diagnostic tools, right? But the problem with that is... How do you actually know that the inspection program has not been tampered with? It's kind of like... Asking a crazy person if they were safe. So Bunny teamed up with Edward Snowden to create the introspection engine. And so the iPhone's on the front here, and the idea is it would slot into a phone case. It's a device that you attach your phone to that will monitor all the signals being emitted from the phone to see if it's actually off when it's supposed to be. We actually take sample points between all the radios and then try to warn you if the radios have been turned on. It's a great tool for people in high-risk professions. Journalists, uh, human rights organizations, international bodies who go to dangerous places. It really does become quite a matter of life and death. Thousands of journalists have been killed for their line of work of exposing corruption of powerful governments. Bunny and Snowden say that many of these journalists are betrayed by their own smartphones that have been transformed into tracking devices. People think that their phones are turned off and they don't realize that the whole time they've been broadcasting their location to anyone listening. Inside of an iPhone, you have several radios, you have like Wi-Fi and GPS and cellular and Bluetooth and all these different things. If the thing's in airplane mode, these things should be off. So are they? Bunny and Snowden tested it by connecting an iPhone to their introspection engine. For about a minute in airplane mode, everything looked great. And then we just start seeing these blips. It's like, oh, huh. Why is the Wi-Fi turning on with the GPS and then turning off again? Like, why would, he even, why would he even need to do this sort of thing, right? It turns out that our phones are deciding when to turn on and start transmitting data without our knowledge. The big question is, why? Bunny had a theory. When Apple was trying to develop its own competitor to Google Maps, I think they wanted to be able to just occasionally just do a little, oh, let's take a look at the Wi-Fi MAC addresses around. And if GPS happens to be around wherever it is, let's just take a note of it because that will really help the mapping. So around this time, Apple changed their permissions with their new update. You just sort of clicked agree, like you do to everything, you know, when updates come. And and no one really noticed or cared until someone actually looked. The dates kind of lined up to support this theory. And this is complete wild speculation. We're just trying to come up with a plausible, non-nefarious reason 
that supported Apple's business case. That doesn't sound so bad, but the implications are heavier than you might think. If Apple is doing something like this constantly in the background, the first thing an attacker would do would be to hide their scan and piggyback it. But truth be told, our devices are so opaque that any number of things could be going on in the background and we wouldn't know. Apps with dubious permissions might use microphones without us realizing. Governments might be turning our phones into listening devices. Snowden revealed that not only do they do this, but they might also compromise the hardware itself. I have seen convincing evidence that um, there have been some pretty high level attempts to backdoor pieces of hardware that essentially they could they have God mode on the machine. Bunny decided that the introspection engine was a helpful tool for finding out if your phone was compromised, but it wasn't enough. What would it take to create hardware that we can trust hasn't been tampered with? A phone with no backdoors? Bunny decided he would find out. We wanted to create a simple device that was easy for users to inspect. By inspect, he means that it needs to be simple enough that users are able to look at it and tell what's actually going on. The more features available on your device, the more complicated it is, and the less likely it is that you'll be able to tell when your device is doing something that it shouldn't be. You have to make a fundamental trade-off in terms of uh, convenience and features versus security. Most people don't understand that adding features or convenience might actually compromise security and privacy. I want to be able to view cat videos and my latest TikTok and download apps and run arbitrary JavaScript and at the same time store a million dollars worth of crypto on this device and know that is uncompromisable. Those two don't mesh. The KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid. So there's less room for security holes. He stripped the idea right back to just hardware with as few features as possible that you could trust hadn't been compromised. We started from the human-centric idea that we want humans to be able to communicate, which means text at a bare minimum. Then he added capabilities incrementally. We also added onto that a, a possible capability for voice. We have a physical keyboard that you know doesn't have the problem of virtual keyboards because they can be backdoored. We have a display that is inspectable and simple. It's a black and white display, so we don't do color. It's simple enough that you can look at it and you can reason about what's on the inside. You can burn your own CPU so you don't have to trust that we have good silicon. You don't have to trust that we built anything correctly. You have simple physical tests that you can do to gain confidence that this device has not been compromised. We call it evidence-based trust. And he called the device the precursor. Precursor meaning it's not quite a phone yet. It's just hardware with no operating system or software. Getting the hardware secure is difficult enough without adding all the complications of software, which are always gonna be filled with bugs and security holes. Now, some people say that as long as the software is open source, then it's secure because anyone can inspect what's inside. It's a little bit of a false statement to say that openness is all you need to be secure. It's necessary, but it is not sufficient. Just because code is public doesn't mean it's being scrutinized. Furthermore, most code is far too complicated for most people to understand. In order to trust code, it has to be simple enough that you can reason about it. Bugs in software can stay unnoticed for a really long time. The devastating Heartbleed bug stayed unnoticed in open SSL cryptography for years, despite it being a completely open system. So did an inflation bug in Bitcoin Coins code. So Bunny has focused on just getting the hardware right, and he's gotten it so good with the precursor. But they will have to physically mangle your device 
to get to it. If your device has been tampered with, at least you'll know. So the question is, is the precursor finally a device that we can trust? I wouldn't say it's bulletproof, but it's much harder to make a mistake if, you, if we do it right. So that's why we're doing it from the ground up. The truth is, perfect privacy doesn't exist. But Bunny's precursor is pretty close. So should all of us throw out our current phones then? No, be aware of your own threat model. But there are incremental steps you can take towards improving the privacy of your phone. Start by deleting any apps you don't use and opting for encrypted messaging services like Signal rather than SMS or Twitter DMs. Small steps like these can go a long way to improving your phone's privacy. We want to get to a place in society where the only information taken from us is the information that we willingly give. And with people like Bunny on the case, maybe with enough time we'll have robust privacy solutions integrated into all our devices that we don't even have to think about, that don't even require us to sacrifice our cat videos. To watch the video version of this episode, please visit Naomi Brockwell TV on YouTube, BitChute or Library.io.